Hi, this is Jeff Coburn. We welcome you to This Disney at Play podcast. Well, it's not a small thing when a new fireworks show appears at Walt Disney World. And with the 50th golden anniversary of the resort, the Magic Kingdom has a new show in the form of Disney Enchantment. We talk about the entire experience of seeing the show for the first time on October 1st, 2021, of the crowded conditions, and of, well, the technical show itself. We'll look at its merits and, importantly, the soundtrack of the experience. We'll compare it to its predecessors, especially Happily Ever After. And we'll look at its pre-show, Beacons of Light. This is a capstone experience for the Magic Kingdom on its 50th anniversary. How does it measure up? You can uh, make sure that you check out Disney at play.com where you sub- can subscribe for future podcasts and where you can also see videos of both Beacons of Light and also Disney Enchantment. We'll talk through all of this today. And I should actually remind you that our previous podcast captured the morning of October 1st um, with the uh, event of the golden anniversary of uh, Walt Disney World. And I share with you kind of my experiences and so forth, um, especially the fact that I was frankly a little disappointed that there were no festivities uh, centered around that particular day. Now, in truth, if we wound the clock back up 50 years ago, there were no festivities on October 1st either. Those festivities came later in the month. The ones where you see where the drums open up and the balloons let go and so forth. Um, the big orchestra and all of that actually came weeks later during a press event. But we still kind of think of October 1st as that very special day. And it was disappointing when previous uh, when previous uh, anniversaries had pretty sizable um, festivities. That was probably a hallmark of Michael Eisner's era. He loved to bring out uh, VIPs and celebrities during these um, anniversary festivities. And um, the 25th was one such one, but uh, the experiences around the 50th anniversary of Disneyland and other anniversaries were very, very impressive um, with the festivities. So it was a little on the site of disappoint- disappointing. And uh, frankly, I was kind of looking forward to the evening because really the capstone, as I've said before, is is the um, is the fireworks, is the new fireworks. I had hoped it there would be a parade, a new parade, any parade I would have hoped for. Although, honestly, as the crowds assembled, and you'll see at the beginning of the fireworks video I have, kind of how the crowds on Main Street kind of evolve as it gets um, darker into the evening. Uh, boy, um, there were a lot of people in the park. Now that said, only about 60% of the parking lot was used up. So it's a little, and and a lot of folks, I didn't even pay attention to queues that day. A lot of folks were looking for festivities. A lot of folks were looking at the merchandise and the food and beverage and the, the special things of the day. Um, the crowds in the attractions themselves, actually many of the queues were fairly low during that day. Um, I had a terrible experience trying to get uh, lunch 
off of mobile ordering. But so I made sure I when I boarded the monorail at the TTC, my my dinner at the Harbor House was um, was ready and and um, and I pushed that I was there available, thinking I was probably still going to have to wait another forty five minutes. So I was a little surprised thirty seconds later when all of a sudden it says you're ready, your meal is ready, and it felt like it had been sitting there a while by the time I got to Harbor House, but it was waiting for me, and I I did appreciate that. I'll probably do a a food review a little later on on uh, some of the things. There are some fun things coming out food wise during the fiftieth anniversary, and and we'll have time to talk about that. Uh, one of the great things that made up for of the day is that it was like a homecoming. I ran into so many people I know uh, from my church, from my community, uh, from Disney previously, and it was just great to see people and and to enjoy that the evening uh, waiting for the fireworks, um, which is kind of where we set the stage for what we um, have experienced. We chose to watch the fireworks. There are two open lanes of traffic that happen on Main Street. One is right at the ice cream parlor, and then one is another 25 feet ahead, um, kind of where the um, new electronic board is for um, wait times that posts the wait times. That is another open path that connects people um, going east and west from Tomorrowland to Adventureland or, you know, vice versa, allows people to pass through there. We chose to wait in that secondary path, the one further up toward the castle, and we chose to get there right at 6 p.m., which is just right after a princess cavalcade, the last cavalcade of the evening had passed through. We assembled right there um, on the street, which allows us to have about 10, 15 feet in front of us, which will be a pathway throughout the evening. But by and large, it means that we don't have a whole bunch of people standing in front of us. And it makes it easier for me to take pictures of our video of the fireworks and so forth. So we chose there. Now, the problem with that is that 6 p.m., that means you're now waiting um, a long time for those fireworks to show up. And, um, you know, three hours worth of waiting and um and then the fireworks show itself so you're pretty exhausted by the time you get there and all sorts of little issues come up when that happens but let's let's jump first to the fact that around 7:45 they start a little thing that's not more than a minute it's called beacons of light cinderella castle and the idea was in honor of the 50th anniversary there would be a beacon of light in each of the four parks at the Tree of Life in Disney's Animal Kingdom, at the Tower of Terror, at, Dis at um, Disney's Hollywood Studios, at Epcot in Spaceship Earth, and at Cinderella Castle. So our video on our post plays that little show out, which happens, uh, it seemed to happen, I think, at a quarter till, at 8 o'clock, at 8 20 and 8.40, it seemed like it was kind of spread out. It seemed like there were four of those little showings that occurred during that time period. And if you're used to projections and lights on a building, the beacons of light is frankly disappointing 
it, it's not that it's disappointing. It's lovely and it's nice, but it's there's no real surprise to it. The only thing was is in their in their promotion of the videos and imagery that they showed for this, they showed it like there was like little twinkle lights kind of coming, like the pixie dust was was kind of floating off of these icons. In truth, what they have done is that they have added additional lighting effects, especially around the hub that kind of move back and forth and, and through the trees and so forth. It gives the kind of feeling like like light and magic is moving through the air. So that, that was a nice little touch. It plays beautifully well into the fireworks. That's cool. Um, but by and large, if, if you happen to catch beacons of light, stop, drop it, only take you a minute to see it. But if you're looking for something more, um, so for instance, they used to do, they, for, at, at Christmas, they would do the lights that were draped over the castle, and there would be a little show with that. This is nothing compared to that. It's not even anything compared to what you see on Sunset Boulevard with the projections on the Tower of Terror um, during the holiday period. Those are kind of fun to watch, too. Um, this is less than. The only exception I will say, and I will save it for another podcast, in fact, the next one uh, at this point, is the Beacons of Light for Spaceship Earth. That, that is a show changer. That was impressive. Blows you away. Some people say even better than the Epcot fireworks. I strongly disagree on that, but they are very impressive, and we'll talk about that on another occasion. So let's get to Disney Enchantment. Let's talk first about what the press had said and kind of take that apart a little bit. In Enchantment, we join dreamers like Tiana, Miguel, Rapunzel, and brothers Ian and Barley from Onward, and we set out an incredible journey with adventurers such as Moana, uh, Raya, and Judy Hopps. Joe Gardner from Dick's Disney and Pixar's Soul takes us into The Zone, where we discover a whimsical world inspired by the legendary Disney artist Mary Blair and filled with beloved characters from classic stories. Okay, let me just say here, I've now read a good deal of this, and everything I've read has to do with, with contemporary characters. Tiana Miguel, Rapunzel, notice that we don't say Tiana Miguel, Rapunzel, Ian and Barley. We say Tiana Miguel, Rapunzel, and brothers Ian and Barley from Onward, which tells you right then and there, nobody knows what the names of those two boys are. And we set off on an incredible journey with adventures like Moana, Raya, and Judy Hopps. Um, and again, you don't have to tell us what film they're from, especially with Judy Hopps' last name. Um, we do have to say Joe Gardner from Disney and Pixar soul because we don't know that I don't, I think while, uh, a lot of people liked the movie, a lot of people really didn't pick up, you know, it was a kind of an average Joe name for lack of a better term, um, which kind of plays into, into the theme, the themes of that movie. It's a great movie, but you don't, you don't walk away going, Oh, that's Joe, you know? And so, at any rate, 
But then it tries to tie you to the style of legendary Disney artist Mary Blair with the beloved characters from classic stories like Beauty and the Beast and Alice in Wonderland to contemporary tales including Luca and Wreck-It Ralph. So I need to stop there and say, I love the idea if you've chosen to use Mary Blair's style to depict images as far-ranging as Alice, Beauty and the Beast, and Luca. I can't say that I saw that on the castle, but I will, we will definitely do a later version that is close to the castle to see if that's what they have done. Um, here's my problem with everything you've mentioned. I believe you when, when you say we're going to all these classic stories or these and, and into enjoying dreamers like these characters. But when you mention something, someone, and you, and you don't end up showing the music from that, the music is a critical part of how Disney does its fireworks. So when you, when you say we're going to cover, now mind you, Anna Barley, you couldn't hum a song from Onward. Um, Soul has some great music to it, and it is in the show, as it is with Tiana. Miguel Rapunzel? No. They're in the show, but not their music. Moana? Yes. Ray and Judy Hopps? No. Beauty and the Beast? Yes. Alice in Wonderland? No. Luca? Wreck-It Ralph? No. So everything is kind of... It, it, it's like I'm throwing all these characters in, and I'm especially putting emphasis on new characters. Which, if that's if you, if that's your marketing effort to gather new people to see the fireworks because you expect the old folks to come see it anyway, then okay, everything builds to a climax. He goes on to say everything builds to a climactic moment as Tinkerbell takes flight, spreading shimmering gold pixie dust and empowering us all to believe in ourselves and the magic all around us. This all-new spectacular inspires everyone to believe in magic with captivating Disney music, enchanted lighting, immersive projection effects that extend for the first time down Main Street, USA, and an emotional original song entitled You Are Magic by seven-time Grammy winner uh, Philip Lawrence. And throughout the show, stunning fireworks fill the sky, providing a great experience for guests throughout the park and neighboring resort hotels. So, I like You Are the Magic. I like it especially um, with the um, with the uh, cavalcade that's in the afternoon. If you go to our previous podcast, you can see the video of the cavalcade as it went through. I like all that. Um, it is... Um, it's a good song, and I love the fact that a former Disney cast member, Philip Lawrence, who played a role in shows like Tarzan Rocks, um, was was the one who helped create this. I think that's a very cool thing. You Are the Magic is the beginning and ending song of the show in the same way that um, Happily Ever After had its own song. Is one better than the other on its technical merits? I'm struggling a little on that. Um, I think both are really good. But if you're going to create a new fireworks show, especially only a handful of years after you created the last one, then you are expected to probably figure out a way to raise that bar even higher. 
and I'm not seeing that. And in fact, that's probably the thesis of this fireworks show. It's hard to say that, wow, this is so above and beyond the previous one. Now, I can say that about Happily Ever After compared to Wishes in terms of projection, in terms of the music, in terms of um, all the, the even the, the pyro and so forth. I think it is a big step. And I said that to many people as they were holding on to almost a couple of decades of Wishes not wanting to see that go and and uh, and yet they embraced eventually when they came and saw it and or they came and saw it several times they came to embrace happily ever after do i think people embrace this show yes but do i think it is marginally better mm, that's where we're going to go next now i believe that the best way to connect to make, if you're going to have a fireworks show that people love, then you will have to connect emotionally to it. And the best way to connect emotionally to it is through song, through music. And so, the song chart matters in this show. Let's just walk through this song chart. You begin with the song, You Are the Magic. Then you go to a narrative, um, a narration, um, with Angela Bassett um, of with When You Wish Upon a Star playing in the background. Almost There um, comes in from Princess and the Frog, followed by Just Around the River Bend from Pocahontas. We Know the Wave from Moana. Epiphany from um, uh, Soul, Be Our Guest, uh, comes in, followed by Under the Sea, followed by You've Got a Friend in Me, and then two classic songs, The Silly Song from Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs and I've Got No Strings from Pinocchio. It's followed up by A Whole New World, then leading into You Can Fly, followed by Into the Unknown from Frozen 2. Afterwards, Night on Bald Mountain, then I Am Moana, going back kind of to making Moana kind of the um, bookends of this, followed by narrative, following by another bookend, You Are the Magic and a Reprieve. So, in the, in the promotional thing I read a few minutes ago, you get an impression, we got a lot of new stuff here. How does that play out in the actual song chart? In truth, there are five songs tied to the original golden era of Disney animation. Um, when You Wish Upon a Star, um, um, to do, uh, a whole, um, You Can Fly, Night on Bald Mountain, A Silly Song, The Silly Song, and I've Got No Strings. So you have five songs tied to the early days of Disney. If you're a Walt guy, you're going to love those songs. You got five tied to the second golden era of Michael Eisner. So you got Just Around the River Bend, which comes in very fresh. And, and very good. Be Our Guest Under the Sea, we've been there, kind of done that. But it, it too is fresh, and honestly, they don't always play that. Usually they play the other versions from those shows. So those two came in good. You Got a Friend in Me, okay, that is a lift almost, and not only a lift 
from a song point of view, but from a visual point of view, from the, um, uh, it's a lift from the um, uh, previous fireworks, Happily Ever After. And so I'm, I'm just done. I don't need, I don't need a Toy Story song in every show. So thankfully there's not one at Epcot when we talk about that. But anyway, um, so there are those songs and then from the newer era, everything from 2000 on, there are five more songs. I Am Moana, Almost There, um, We Know The Way, uh, Epiphany, and Into The Unknown. So in truth, five songs are tied to the original golden era, five songs are tied to the second golden era, and five songs have come out that have come out since 2000. Here's where it gets muddy. While there are five of each, the length of those songs is not the same. So you get a few measures of I've got no strings, but you've got an entire um, entire play into, um, into um, say, We Know the Way um, or Almost There. Now, in truth, the Night on Bald Mountain, which I thought was a... Okay, I, first of all, let me back up on Night on Bald Mountain. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of Fantasia music, simply because I've heard it so many times. In a Disney Fireworks, I thought it was fairly fresh. I do question why it is everybody who creates these shows thinks you've got to have the, the villain segment of the Fireworks. I mean, it was part of Wishes, then it came into... Uh, and and better done, in my opinion, in Happily Ever After. But then we've had it now again. And while I love the music of Night and Bald Mountain as a fresh take, it's just we don't need a villain section every time we do a Disney fireworks show. So there's that aspect of it. And that was the most played of the original five. The other uh, was missing. I do think, oh, I think um, Into the Unknown was fresh and really cool. I was surrounded by young people and they got excited by that song. They were, and by the way, they pretty well rocked through the whole thing. They were excited by all of it, but they really loved that Into the Unknown. Everybody connects with Moana, I think. The challenge is, is a lot of people have not seen Frozen 2 or they maybe only seen it once and they haven't, they haven't connected with it in the same way that um, let it go has been has everybody knows where let it go comes from but truth be told I'm thrilled they didn't do let it go because they needed to let it go so that was all good if I were to have made one change one song chain I would have taken when you wish upon a star and I would have tied it or made it just simply the replacement for you are the magic and the reprieve. I think you could have tied it, but you need people to hear those chords. When you wish upon a star, makes no difference who you are. Anything your heart, yeah, it just, it absolutely is, it is tied emotionally to Disney. They missed an opportunity when they did that. And I think, I think that I'm not saying what they have isn't isn't good. It's good. It's just there are some things that should be there. 
And what is the challenge is, is that you work with entertainment teams who some of which have done this for decades and they're over certain songs. I get that, but there's a lot in the Disney songbook that you could take. And I love what they've done in the new Harmonious show with the last number. That is a powerful Disney number. It doesn't connect to a lot of people, but it's a powerful Disney number. We'll cover that again uh, when we cover Harmonious. But but <clears throat> when you wish upon a star, that needs to be accented. The other thing is, is there were some really clear emotional trigger moments. And if there was one in Happily Ever After that was beyond any other, it was Tinkerbell taking flight, not at the beginning of the show, but at the end of the show. That was so cool. And you can hear, every time you listen to a YouTube video, you can listen to mine, of, of that show, you will hear the crowd just go crazy when Tink leaves. In this situation, they have tied it to the to the you are magic number and it just doesn't it doesn't gel it there's no sense of running up which is funny because the song they used before was you can fly and they use you can fly in here i would have rather seen tink come down earlier when they did a whole new world followed by you can fly and have her come down on that um where it came down it just it didn't set it up People would have been thrilled to have been set up for Tinkerbell. But the music did not set itself up for that. So, um, so that, that is the challenge. Is The song chart had a lot of songs from all the different eras. It didn't play it equitably. And it didn't play key songs at the right moment. That's my summary of that. Now, all that said and done, let me talk about the elements of the show. First is sound, music, and narration. Sound was beautiful. The sound engineering, there were some gaps where I think they were expecting people to applaud and people weren't. And nothing is worse than a silent gap in a fireworks show where it's like, okay, you're not telling me this is the end, are you? It, and there were one or two moments of that, and it was really awkward. The narration is by Angela Bassett. Angela Bassett had done the Imagineering story, which was so well, well narrated. She also, of course, is the queen in Black Panther and plays that with great dignity and great um, I mean, she, presence. She has the cinema presence. I don't know that most people know that it was Angela Bassett. It, admittedly, I it's hard to not compare it to Julie Andrews doing it for Disneyland's 50th. But even then, and I, if Julie Andrews started talking, I would recognize her in a moment. But if you go back to Disney, Disneyland's 50th anniversary fireworks, the original wishes, um, without Jiminy, uh, well, I guess Jiminy Cricket was in there. But that's another story. Anyway, she goes. Good evening. This is Julie Andrews. Um, I wouldn't have been bothered by good evening. This is Angela Bassett. I wouldn't be bothered by that. I think people want to connect again emotionally to people. 
And I think people have had very positive experiences with Angela Bassett in Black Panther and in the Imagineering story. I think that would have worked. What are the other elements? Fireworks. Oh, solid. Positive, solid, plenty of them. Plenty of them, in my opinion, in all the right places. The fireworks land on all four. Um, castle projection. I think probably cleaner and better. Probably they've upgraded the projectors and taken the old ones for Main Street. Talk about that in a second. Um, but I think the projection looks beautiful. I think it's probably a little less busy because I think that the busyness in Happily Ever After is sometimes muddied the image a little. And most people are not seeing those kinds of little details unless they're up close. Now, I plan on filming it up close, getting those details, sharing those with you. But know that that's one of the, the challenges with castle projections. You're kind of playing this line between um, really cool, intricate anim animation and effects and having something that's clear and visible and, and well presented. So by and large, I think they rode that line pretty good. New laser effects, or seemingly new laser effects, that were very cool. Big thumbs up on that. I mentioned earlier for the Beacon thing that they added some lighting effects. They've infused that into the um, uh, Disney Enchant uh, Enchantment. And, uh, and let me just tell you something about the title. If I say Disney Enchanted, don't blame me. Disney Disney deserves that because you've got a movie called Enchanted that goes on forever and ever and the people know and then you create the thing Enchantment and it's so easy to just say Enchanted instead. So anyway, I thought the lighting was a nice new effect. I talked about Tinkerbell. Always great to have Tink. Could have set that up better. And then the final thing was projections on Main Street which because of the position I told you I took, I wasn't able, I do turn the camera back in my video to show a little bit of it. Again, when I go back, I'm gonna take a video of that as well and infuse all three together. Um, so you have a more perfect fireworks show, but you can see what it is now. Um, I wasn't overly impressed from what I could see, but I don't think I could judge that. I do like the fact that they added it. And I do remember that their biggest concern when they came to the 50th was the crowds. And this was long before the pandemic. So projections was a way of addressing the crowd issue and making people feel like they weren't so distant from the big event. So I appreciate the fact that they did do the projections. Um, and well, yeah, more to come on that as we see that a little further on. Now, the show is only one component of this whole thing. There is an entire experience around this. And I wanna talk a little bit about that experience before I sum up Disney Enchantment. First off, let's just talk about the elephant in the room. You had a ton of people on Main Street. And by the way, we're still in a pandemic. Having people assemble so closely. Um, I, 
I was okay with it because I'm pushed to a position where I don't have anybody in front of me. I chose to arrive early enough to have that benefit. And I think that allows me to not be potentially impacted as greatly as others would be standing in the middle of the crowd. I also need to say that the Disney Cruise Line has been doing fireworks shows, which by the way, is more of a generic show, not a pirate show, but they have done multiple pirate shows and they have put dots on the ground as to where family should stand. So there is social distancing on that cruise line. What would it mean to put dots on the ground and maybe then have to run two shows in order to accommodate everybody? Hmm. That is a little tricky. I don't, I don't miss that. And, and when I come back to the parade thing, I'm looking down Main Street, how crowded it is. I'm wondering, can you ever get a parade down here? Especially as long as we're dealing with the pandemic. So I kind of get all of that. Still, if I were to say one thing, it would be, if you're going to have people assemble, tell them to assemble within the last hour or 15 minutes or some lesser time period. Because that assembling for so long, I think is part of what is creating more of that problem situation. So anyway, just putting it out there for you to think about, um, it is a challenge. Um, it is a challenge. Now, next issue. When people join in at the last moment, or worse, during the show. About 10 minutes before the show, this young man and his girlfriend, he goes, hey, no, no problem if I join you, as if his handsome young looks was going to let us all say, oh yeah, no problem. Uh, and no, that's not how the crowd reacted. That's how everybody around us responded. They said, no, we've waited here for three hours. You can't do that. So he works his way into the crowd about five to 10 feet back and, and stands there. And he stands, and essentially what he, he's done is he stood now in front of two people uh, who are in um, ECVs, electronic convenience vehicles, electronic wheelchairs. I'm telling you, I couldn't, I couldn't think of anything less, uh, more unclassy, less classier than, than this gentleman. So disappointing, but it gets worse. I then have a, we then have a cast member show up about five minutes later. He goes, do you mind if this young woman stands there? <clears throat> and again, we're going, no, <laughs> we waited there three hours. And a cast member was very taken back. He was surprised. He's a young kid. And he was very surprised that there was as much resistance. And so, oh, oh, okay, oh, okay. And he kind of moves away. He then has the girl stand behind the tape in front of us toward, toward one end. Um, now, I have been in the position of being a cast member where I have had to deal with guests. I have held up the bridge at Liberty Square during parades. And I know what it's like to be in that position. It's not a great position. But the moment you yield in one way, it creates a consequence on the other end. 
And sure enough, while he let that girl whose feet dangled over the side of that tape, it then generated this little line of people who all, it started a whole new line of people whose, whose legs were a little over the, the feet of the tape. And then it generated some people who aren't going to be just nice and little friendly and be, and when you're telling them they need to move on, they'll go on. Because what happened is the manager comes in and he's like, no, they're going to be on the other side of this tape. And he starts moving them. Well, he starts moving these guests, not, the, not starting with the young woman, but he starts moving these other guests on the other side of that same, that same line of tape and they aren't budging. Next thing you know, we have security coming in. And next thing you know, we have a show starting. Nice. Nice. So that's the consequence. By the way, I had told David Zanola, you, who was saying the last showing of Happily Ever After, to stand in that same place. I told him about my incident. And he said that same young cast member had done the same thing with a young woman. So I don't know if this is a fellow cast member, his girlfriend, or what's going on. But you get the feeling like this young cast member lets this girl in all the time or something. It's so crazy. I didn't know that till later. But the th final moment, and this is, a, this is a beauty. The final moment is the moment when the... Um, the show has started. We are now 10, or we're now about 20, 30 seconds into the show. And these women just want to stand in front of us. And, uh, and there were women on the side of me who were very adamant. You are not going to stand there. And nudged them away. And she turned around and said, don't you touch me. And it began to fire up. Fortunately, the manager dealing with the other problem in front of us turned and dealt with that. Uh, do you want to see what this looks like? Well, go to my YouTube video because guess what? It played out as I was trying to play out this entire set of fireworks. It was there. And you might as well see how ugly this looks when people join in at the last moment or worse during the show. Um, again, you can't see faces of anybody, but you hear the commotion going on. And it's so, it's so disappointing. After, ha after being exhausted waiting three hours, to then have that happen, you're kind of like, is this worth it? Then, after that, you have to have a solid exit strategy. In many regards, Disney did. It, it started making these announcements after the show. In fact, there may have even been one before the show saying, feel free after the show. The park will be open till later. You can spend more time in the park. You don't need to exit immediately. They were trying to disperse the amount of crowds leaving the park at any given moment. And they did a great job. You get toward Town Square and there are people in with microphones saying, hey, the options are going left to do this, right to do that, da, da, da. They're handing out a free poster to guests uh, for their stay. They are really managing this well. The only place it doesn't manage well is when you get to the TTC. 60% of the parking lot was pretty well taken and there were no trams. They needed courtesy trams. This was just not, this is just not acceptable. And the amount of, and I'm a fast walker, it probably only took me about 12, 14 minutes to walk to my car, which was on the far end. But I met up or passed by a woman with a walker trying to get out to the same place. I don't know why she wasn't in the disability section but 
maybe didn't see it or didn't know of it or whatever, but that is a long way to walk and there needs to be, there needs to be courtesy trams. That is, you might think I'm going to be an apologist for this Disney fireworks show, but I will tell you, I am not an apologist when it comes to that kind of issue with the trams. Finally, I will say the other thing that was really disenchanting to me is when bloggers, vloggers, social media merchants choose to focus on the negative and begin to run a campaign against a show. The show's thing, folks. It might get tweaked. Mm, about 80% of all shows get tweaked, so don't be surprised by that. That's the nature of entertainment. But it ain't going to go away. And for, for a team, I, and I do not put a link to this. I do not, I'm not going to give the name to it. But to start a, to start a, um, a, uh, 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 not a protest, but a um, petition to end the show and put Happily Ever After back is, is really pathetic. It's just a pathetic effort, especially if it's signed by people who haven't even seen the show. And I would say a good percentage, although there weren't very many at the time I saw who had signed it, but uh, I doubt very many had seen the show physically. My conclusion is this. The Disney fireworks shows are all professionally done and outperform anyone else's concepts of what fireworks should be all about. It's not the show itself that makes it so special as it is the memories of your time in the parks with family and friends and all of that coming together in a positive, emotional, upbeat way that connects you to the show. Still, if you're not emotionally connected to the music, and to the characters shown, it will be harder, though not impossible, for you to connect. There is no intellectual property, no Disney characters, no familiar movie score that connects you to Illuminations, Reflections of Earth. But that is a beloved show that people have connected memories that last a lifetime too. I would say people loved Illuminations, Reflections of Earth, because it had been around 20 years. People have grown their, raised their kids going to the parks every year or every few years around Reflections. If this show stays around for 10, 15, 20 years, I believe the same thing will occur. I think it is a testament to Happily Ever After that for a short three, four year reign, um, four years, I think it was, with a portion of it, a year of it at least, um, being a year and plus, being not even being shown in the parks, I think it's it's a testament to the show that it is connected so emotionally to guests in such a short period of time. I can't imagine what that show would have been like if uh, it had gone on 20 years and you had tried to replace it with this show. But this show is a good one. And most people will probably emotionally connect with this show years later. If I had done it differently, I probably would have done Happily Ever After Plus 
and taken some really good elements from this show and fused it into that one, save myself the time of creating new music. I understand why they kind of went to this, which included being more inclusive with the kinds of uh, characters and shows and music they have. I get that. I also get the fact that we want something fresh for the 50th. I get all that. Could have seen that portrayed in a parade. But it is what it is. It's still a great show. You will, I don't know that I would wait again in a very big crowd for three hours during a pandemic to see it. But I would definitely see it. And I recommend before you think otherwise to see it as well. It is worth taking the time to going and seeing it. I think Disney has done a great job with this fireworks as they have done with other fireworks shows. It's just that in truth, we are in unusual times and unusual times are the moments we need magic most. Well, that concludes our podcast here at Disney at Play. Thank you for joining us. As you know, there are a couple of things you could do to really help us. And they're very affordable things. First of all, just go over to iTunes and give us a positive rating and or review. Remember, you're not getting um, the most cynical view here. You're not getting an apologist view. You're getting a smart, balanced view with Disney at play and Disney at work. You're getting a real view of what it is. And we were trying to present the best possible. So if you get a chance, go to iTunes. If you have a chance, please go to our YouTube and subscribe there as well as DisneyAtPlay.com. Please subscribe so you get notified when we have new videos and um, when we have new podcasts. And check out the Wayfinder page that we have. Um, it's our Patreon page that allows you to explore the wonderful worlds of Disney in new interactive tools while supporting this show and others that we produce. Thanks so much. Appreciate you being a part. As always, follow the compass of your heart. Have a great day. We'll see you real soon.